turn with me to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. The men and families that are represented uh, by the picture of this airplane on my t-shirt this morning believe that. That all that they needed, God provided. These particular families and men uh, were serving the Lord uh, down in Ecuador in, in five different mission organizations. And all five of them, since the Lord leading them to reach out to a group of, of, of Indians, a tribe that, that moved around so much that nobody knew exactly where they were, but that nobody had ever gotten to and come back to tell about it. They had that reputation. These five guys, one of them being a mission pilot with Mission Aviation Fellowship, that's the shirt that I'm wearing, the celebration of it from 1956 when this took place. They took the plane out regularly trying to find that tribe. One day they found them. And they started making contact with them. They started they started um, dropping gifts down to them. Uh, this particular pilot was a uh, was a genius pilot, and, and he figured out a technique where he could fly in a certain in a certain pattern and drop a, a, a rope down with a bucket on it with gifts in it, as if he as if he were in a helicopter. And uh, and so he did this. They did this regularly, dropping down gifts to him. Finally, that that Indian tribe started sending gifts back up to him. And they thought, yes, they love us. And so they figured out a way near, nearby where that, where that um, Indian village was, there was a, a, a river with a, with a pretty wide bank on it, kind of a beach. They called it Palm Beach. And they, they let some air out of the tires of the plane so that they could land safely on this beach. And so they did that. All five of them, they landed, and they were never heard from again. We found out later, as people started going in to try to find out what happened to them, found out later that they, all five of them had been killed by that tribe that they thought they made friends with. All they needed, God in his faithfulness provided they got there, they, they got to South America, they got to Ecuador by the provision of the Lord. People like us back in the 50s were giving like we're giving, supporting them, and they were able to go to get the gospel to people down in Ecuador that otherwise wouldn't hear about it. And one of their missions, one of their jobs, even though it wasn't assigned by any particular mission organization, they felt the, the calling of God to reach out to that group of people that nobody else was reaching out to. And so they did. And on that particular day in 1956, God provided for them and their families his comfort and strength to get through a very difficult day, hour, season of life in losing those five men and and, in those five men losing their very lives and going through whatever they had to go through in that process. God supplied for them everything that they needed. He was with them as we were singing. He was for them. As the world looks at it and saying, well, God didn't look like he was for them too much. Oh, don't worry. They didn't miss out on anything. The moment they passed away, 
whether it was from one of the spears or arrows or darts of that tribe or other physical um, damage that the tribe did to them, however they were killed, they were immediately in the presence of the Lord, having no regrets for trying to reach out to that, that tribe. Well, one of these men's sisters and one of the wives decided they're going to go back and still try and reach that tribe for Christ. And today, that tribe has a thriving church where some of the very men who threw the spears into these guys were the leaders of that church. Fully forgiven, as God fully forgives all of us of all of our sins when we put our trust in him, fully forgiven and able by the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome how, how traumatic, traumatic that must have been for them, knowing what they did, to lead God's people in that tribe to reach out to other tribes. And now instead of having the, the reputation of nobody coming out alive who comes in to see them, now no one comes in to see them without hearing about the work and the person and the grace and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. The woman that we're going to read about this morning knew of that same providing God, even through difficulties. Read with me, in, or look at your Bibles. I'll read it out loud. You, keep, uh, you read it silently. Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live on. How do I know about her faith? How do I know that she trusted God to meet every need that she has? Because of what Jesus just said. He put in everything. She put in everything. Now, the rich people, and, and remember, remember who his audience is at this moment as he's, as he's doing this teaching with his disciples. Remember that the teachers of the law and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, members of the Sanhedrin, all the leaders of the, of the Jewish religious movement of Israel, they were, many of those leaders were standing there. They had been questioning him. They have been trying to trap him in the, in the way that he would answer his questions, trying to catch him in blasphemy so they could condemn him to death. He was teaching those guys also. In fact, the lesson that we, that we looked at last week from, from the same situation, Jesus teaching in the temple, when he, was, when he was condemning some of them for devouring widows' houses that we spoke of last week, this widow may be, very, may be one of those very widows whose homes they devoured. 
she, she could have been in the care of one of those guys. And this is how they cared for him. This is, this is the, what they did with whatever they had left when their husbands died. Maybe gave them these two little fraction of a penny coins to live on. That was, that was their way of taking care of those widows by the wish of their husbands. But here Jesus lets his disciples, and, and again, all those who are listening, know that he doesn't measure our gifts. Oh, he, he desires our gifts. You saw that in, in Psalm 96 this morning. As we read in that great psalm of praise, did you hear what he said? Bring your offerings in. Offer your, your, your offerings. He told the children of Israel to do that. that. That was one of the things that was part of their lives. Giving was a part of their lives. He knows people. He knows what our, what our tendencies are. He knows that we're likely to, uh, to be proud of our stuff and, and, we, and, and like to hang on to it. He knows that offerings are, are often a measure of our devotion to him. You remember the rich young ruler that we read about earlier? Who was very rich, and Jesus said, hey, you know, and he, he was keeping the law, and, and Jesus said, hey, you're doing, you're doing great. You just need to go sell everything and come follow me. You remember what happened to that guy? It was very tragic. His face fell. That's what the word, the word says. His face fell. He couldn't do that. No way. God, God knows our hearts. He knows that we like our stuff. And he knows that often that stuff is in competition with him in terms of our devotion and what we care about and what we really believe. Because Jesus is very clear in his teaching that those of us who know him, those of us who have put our trust in him, like the three that were baptized this morning demonstrating their, their faith in Christ, those of us who have put our trust in Christ, we are now that we're believers we are storing up for ourselves treasures in heaven. That's what we're doing. He says that, Jesus says that over and over in his word. And in preparation for that, for that, God in the Old Testament told them to bring their offerings in. He even, he even gave them a, a percentage of their, of, their, of their money or their stuff that they should bring in. He said, bring in a tithe. Bring in, bring in 10% of the best of your stuff and give it at the temple or before that at the tabernacle. Some of you are thinking, well, that's pretty hefty. That was, that's what, they, that's what the, the Jewish people were required to bring as offerings. They didn't always do it. In fact, turn with me uh, in your Bibles to Malachi, the last Old Testament prophet. So go to Matthew and then it's one book before that. Malachi chapter 3, the last of the prophets. Look what, look what God says about their giving. Go ahead and move, it, move on to um, verse 6. We're going to start in verse 6. Malachi 3.6, I, the Lord, do not change. 
So you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Speaking of God's faithfulness, the only reason they aren't destroyed is because he's faithful, faithful to his promises. They deserve to be destroyed because they continued in rebellion against him. He said, ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. He goes on to continue in that blessing. He's serious. He wanted the children of Israel to give. And since they weren't, he said, you're robbing me. And not only are you robbing me, but you're under a curse because of it. He wanted them to obey his word, and in obeying his word, trust him to take care of them. You know who believed that? The widow. Did the Pharisees, the Sadducees, did the rich people who were giving their offerings believe it? Maybe, maybe not. You couldn't tell. Because they were giving their extra. And some of their extra was a lot. And they had a great way of I mean, they did it in such a way that people knew they were given a lot. Remember, some of these were the same who liked to wear the the, the nice flowing robes around. They were the ones who liked to pray on the corners with with amazing language, showing their their deep relationship and love for God and those kinds of things, although in their hearts they didn't love him that much. When they gave, they gave in a way to make sure that everybody knew that they were maybe not the full amount, but they knew it was a lot. And they did it so that people would think, now that guy is a giver. That guy loves God. When in fact, they were doing it for those very comments. So that people would think that they were great. So that people would think that they love God. That they were thankful to God for all that he had done. The woman comes in, drops in her two tiny coins, and Jesus said, she gave the most. It reminds me of what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. When he was encouraging the Corinthians to participate in an offering to help the people of, of Jerusalem and Judea that were going through a great famine, he was putting together an offering for them. And in, in, in giving them motivation to give and to be generous givers, he told them to give like Jesus gives. How does Jesus give? 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sakes, he became poor so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. 
That's Jesus giving. That's, that's Jesus' tithe. He gave a lot more than 10%. And that's the standard of giving now that the Apostle Paul uh, opens up for us. Don't use the tithe as your standard. Use Jesus as your standard. Give like Jesus gives. That woman was doing that before Paul wrote 2 Corinthians 8 9. That woman wrote that before she knew exactly what Jesus was going to do. Oh, she was probably well aware that the, that the religious leaders were, were out for him, were going to try to kill him. She's probably well aware of that. But she was giving what she had in obedience to God, trusting that he was going to take care of them. The Apostle Paul also wrote in Philippians chapter 4, when he was thanking the Philippian church, for their generosity to him. They would, give, they would take up offerings and send it to wherever he was. They were, they were a supporting church of the Apostle Paul. And he was thanking them for their gift. And he said, now I'm not thanking you, this, thanking you for this um, because your gift is meeting my needs, although it is. He said, I'm more, I'm more uh, interested in this. And look what he says in Philippians 4.17. He said, not that I'm looking for a gift, but I'm looking for what might be credited to your account. Do you know what Paul believed? Paul believed what Jesus said, that we who are believers in Christ are storing up for ourselves riches in heaven. Paul believed that every time somebody gave in support of his ministry or, or giving to the Lord as the local church needed it or whatever the case might be, for missions, for support of that, of, of, of that local church, he believed that every gift that they gave from their hearts, like this woman was giving, was being credited to their eternal account. Now think about that. This woman, she gave everything she had, and she was trusting that somehow later that day or the next, God was going to provide for her again so that she'd have enough food to eat and a place to stay. Now, she may have already had a house, but she was counting on the Lord to provide for her in his way. Evidently, that had been working for her. Because here she was again. This probably wasn't her first time to the temple. Here she was again, giving what she had. As she went in to worship the Lord, recognizing what he had done for her, what he had promised for her. Which should be our motivation in giving. Not just to meet the needs of the local church budget. Oh, your giving does that. Praise the Lord. But as the Apostle Paul said, that's not the motivation for it. The motivation for our giving is that what we give from our hearts, being thankful for all that God has done for us and all that God is doing for us and all that God has promised to us in the future, that he'll continue to be faithful to that. And we give with generous 
attitudes, with, with thankful attitudes, praising him for what he's done and what he's promised to do, and that he will make up the difference somehow in our lives as we give. And so we ask ourselves, as we see Jesus interacting with his disciples and others that were listening, and giving that woman high praise for what she gave. If you go to Jerusalem today, there's not a special plaque you know, on the temple. There's, there's still a little piece of the, of the temple mount, um, not the actual temple, but the supports to the temple. There's not a plaque there that has her name on it that says this, you know, this part of the, of the wall was given in, in, was put up in memory of the great gifts of this particular widow because we don't know her name. That's why you, you'll notice around Midway, if, you, if you've been here a while, you won't see any, any plaques up saying this wing of the church was given because, you know, so-and-so gave so much money, you know, and so on and so forth. Honestly, some people, when they look around a church, if they don't see any of that kind of thing, they just keep on looking for another church. Because that's motivation for some people. They want to be recognized. Well, I want you to know, according to this scripture, according to the words of Jesus here this morning, your gifts are recognized. Nobody else has to know. In fact, Jesus says in Matthew 6, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is giving and doing. Don't worry about if anybody else finds out. You know the Lord knows. You know the Lord will give you according to what you've given. And it may not happen right here. This woman is a testimony of that. Now, we don't know what happened the next day here. She may well have become a rich woman the next day. We don't know. But we do know this. That when she met the Lord, she received what had been credited to her account. And she has no regrets on the way she gave. Others, on the other hand, who acted like they were given a lot, although they weren't, their treasure may be small, or maybe they weren't even believers and they won't, have, you know, they won't even be there uh, to, to even enjoy a treasure. Because we can do a lot of faking out in this life. But Jesus knows. There's a parable in uh, Luke 17. Jesus said that there's a man that uh, got caught, kind of busted, um, and uh, he was supposed to be taking care of his his master, the owner of the company, was supposed to be taking care of the accounts. And um, he got caught pilfering. So he's going to get fired. And so the, the, the servant that got caught, he put a plan together. He said, I, I don't know what I'm going to do after I lose this job. He said, I'm too proud to, to beg. I'm not strong enough to dig. And he obviously wasn't qualified for any other kind of work. And so he said, here's what I'm going to do. And he called in one of the people who owed his master 
um, some, some wheat. Called him in and said, how much do you owe the master? The guy said, you know, a thousand bushels of wheat. He said, here. He wrote down a piece of paper. Now you only owe 600. That guy was pretty happy about that. Then he said, another guy, come here. How much do you owe the master? He said, oh, I, I owe him, you know, 500 gallons of olive oil. He said, here, come here, give me a piece of paper. Write down. Now you only owe 300. Now, this guy did this for a little while, and his, his idea was this. I'm going to lose this job, but when I knock on the door around dinner time on this guy's house that owed the master a thousand bushels of wheat and he only had to pay 600 he said that guy's gonna probably say hey come on in you want to have some supper got any place to stay tonight hey just spend the night with us and on and on he was going to go around to those people that he did deals for now a lot of people look at that parable and think is that the lord you know praising dishonesty well, the master in the story heard about it, and he didn't, he didn't get let the guy keep his job. But he said, now that was a pretty shrewd character doing that. He was impressed. You know what Jesus said? He said, the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of light, speaking about us. He said, use worldly wealth so that when it's gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Use worldly wealth so that when it's gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Put that Luke 16 reference up. When Jesus saw what the woman was doing, He commended her because she was doing something wise with this offering, with this money that God had given her. As you give to the Lord, you are being are are setting up a situation where you're going to be welcomed into eternal dwellings. How's that going to work out? Exactly? We don't know. But I've got I've got some speculation to share with you. I'll pick on Ron Young. I'm assuming that over the years Ron has given something. Okay? All right, maybe a lot, maybe a little. I don't know. But if Ron's given, Ron's gonna be walking down the road. And I'm not saying this is happening anytime soon, Ron. All right. But he's gonna be walking down one of the golden streets. And somebody's going to say as he's walking, hey, Ron! Ron's going to turn around and he's going to see somebody calling to him that he doesn't recognize. That guy's going to, Ron's going to go over and say, well, yeah, what? He says, hey, come on in. Eternal dwelling. God's preparing a place for us. Ron comes in. And this guy says, I just, I saw you. I couldn't, I, I had to tell you, thank you. I don't know you. Thank me for what? Well, weren't you a giver at Midway? Well, of course. 
And that's, by the way, that wouldn't be why Ron was in heaven, okay? Because giving doesn't, doesn't make us right with God. It's something that we do after we're right with God. Ron would say, yeah, I, I gave. We'll say, well, I'm here because of that. And I said, what? What are you talking about? This guy said, oh, I used to be a deaf Kenyan. And your gift to Midway that ended up going to support Samuel and Michael Ropp with Wycliffe Associates funded the translation of the Bible into our sign language. And me and my family received Christ because of that. And I just wanted to thank you. And then, do you know how many more stories this guy could have to tell Ron as he's welcomed him in to his eternal dwelling? Now, is that exactly how it's going to pan out? I don't know. Okay? But that could be one of the ways that it would happen that we would be welcomed into eternal dwellings because of the way that we use our worldly wealth. Our worldly wealth. That could be one of the ways. There will probably be greater ways than that. That could be one of them. And so, what kind of giver are you going to be? Are you going to be a giver of the extra, of the excess? Like so many were that day that Jesus was commenting on? Or are you going to be a giver like this woman and trust the Lord to make up the difference? And when you get to glory have rewards that you can't even imagine because you have been credited. It has been credited to your account. And you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings by people who were influenced by the way that you used your worldly wealth. We have, we have a choice. As a believer in Christ, you, we don't tithe like, we did in the Old, like they did in the Old Testament. We don't keep track of it. We don't send out notices and all those kind of things. Our standard given by God through the Apostle Paul is Jesus. The giver whose giving is represented by a cross. Gave everything that he is, everything that he has. And so that's a reminder, too, that our giving isn't just finances. It's the giving of who we are, all of our resources that he's given us. But let's give who we are. Let's give what God has given us. And let's trust him to provide for us. He will do that. He's promised to do that. He will provide for us. He will take care of us. And sometimes that's the first hurdle that we have to get over in giving. Because we might be on the edge and we don't think we have enough to give. And it's so hard to trust him that he is going to somehow provide for us if we give something that we don't feel like we can. We look to this woman. We say we can do that. Because he will do that. He's made the promise. He is a faithful God. Let's bow together in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we don't know her name. But we thank you for this widow. We don't know her circumstances. But we know she was making it on very little. 
we now know that she was looked on with very pleasing eyes from her creator, the Lord Jesus himself. We thank you for the way that Jesus used her that day as an inspiration to his disciples that were present and to all of his disciples who are going to read this for thousands of years. Father, we thank you that we're among them today. And so we thank you for your promise that you will meet every need that we have according to your glorious riches that are in Christ Jesus. We thank you that you have decided to credit to our account everything that we give to you, everything that we do for you in this life. We thank you for your generosity. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve the the forgiveness that you've given us, let alone the blessings that you poured into our lives, and especially the eternal life that you've promised. But you've given all of us all of this and more through faith in Jesus. And we thank you for that. And we pray that you would help us, like this widow, to be cheerful givers, trusting that you will use what we give for your glory and then take care of us in your way. Thank you for always being faithful to your promises. Thank you for the the models in Scripture that you've given us that we might be generous in our giving and that you would be glorified through our generous lives, both now and for all eternity. We pray these things in Jesus' great, generous name. Amen.